Welcome to another episode of the Wiki Weekends podcast. Uh, as always, I am your host, Carl Smallwood, and I'm joined by my uh, ephemeral voice off camera, Lucas Holland, my good friend. Who is on camera right now. You're on camera, but are you, for me, you're a voice off camera. That's true, so, yes. But uh, and, of course, doing the podcast, we both get to be on camera. You get to see both of our, like, you know, tired, stressed out faces. No, I just meant mine, not yours, Carl. To be fair, I have got a tired, stressed out face. It's just, I'm sat further away from the camera, so you can't see it. <laughs> That's all. It is. It's the secret of like, just you should film me like they used to film women in Star Trek in the sixties, where they'd literally put Vaseline on the lens if they had wrinkles. Oh my god! So you couldn't see that they had wrinkles because you know the real horror, Lucas, is women aging naturally. Exactly, and yeah, like meanwhile I'm up nice and close, so you can see all my flaws, and I've got the ring light just shining on my face directly. It's like that, do you remember when there was the jump from, like, standard definition to HD? Mm, and, like, a bunch yeah. of celebrities sued their, like, plastic surgeons because they were assured that you wouldn't be able to see that they had plastic <laughs> surgery on standard definition. <laughs> and then high definition came out and you could clearly tell people had, like, Botox and worked on. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, my God. That, that was a step into just, oh, my God, celebrities are real people that have flaws. Yeah. Oh, it's it's one of those, those, like, graphs that you see and it's like... They just perfectly correlate with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I saw is um, anal bleaching for porn stars and HD pornography um, uh, uptake. Because <laughs> just the amount of... Po- oh, God, no, you can see how sweaty my bum hole is. Better get it bleached. <sighs> but anyway, Lucas, uh, <laughs> the format of this um, uh, <laughs> this podcast is that we both scour the lengths and breadths of the internet to find something interesting in the form of a wiki page. And have you done that for us? I have indeed, yes. Okay, so what's the wiki page you brought along for us this week? Well, today, Carl, we're going to talk about anal bleaching. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we're not. That, that is a wiki page. You <laughs> it will look it be. Up. I'm sure it will be. Uh, something else starting with A, though. Okay. We are talking about the adoring fan, specifically from The Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. Okay, so... Is this because like Starfield's out, but you didn't <laughs> want to talk about Starfield? So you said, just pick something from Bethesda and just well, talk about that. I'm picking something from Starfield as well, because they brought him back. Okay, so he's like a running gag then, of the just adoring fan. He's just this like just ethereal being who just always is like, hey, yeah. hey, adventurer. They might not be Bosma in uh, Starfield, but... You know, they are definitely in there as like a trait that you can pick. You know, like one of your starting a uh, few perks that you pick as like you create a character. One of them is just like that you have an adoring fan. There's just some do you just you just have a fan more. You got a simp, and it, it's been great because like the reason I picked this is because I keep just seeing like clips on TikTok of like the Starfield adoring fan, like. Mm-hmm just vaulting, like, over balconies and, like, charging through crowds just to get to you. It's what? Like, yeah. I think, like, the thing I remember about the adoring fan from Oblivion is all the compilations of all the ways people killed him. <laughs> yeah. And I remember a friend of mine said, yeah, um, I took him to the top of a mountain, paralyzed him with a staff and just surfed his corpse down the mountain, <laughs> gets to the bottom, and he just stands up and says, that was great. <sighs> Oh, dear. Uh, So, yeah, if anyone is unfamiliar, uh, the Adoring Fan is a young and cheerful Bosma commoner as part of... and is a part of the reward for being champion in the arena. And The gladiatorial arena, yes. Yes, so there's like a gladiatorial arena in Oblivion, and if you become grand champion there, you get 
one of your rewards is that you get the adoring fan. And I like that it says, like, reward in air quotes. It's like, is he really a reward? Well, I guess he carries your stuff for you. But did you ever <laughs> have you ever seen so into, we got the gladiatorial arena? Mm. Did you ever see the breakdown of like how horrifying that is? No. Okay, so the gladiatorial arena is pretty standard mission in like you no know, role playing games. Like, yeah. It's an arena you have to fight to become the champion, and it's like to get to the first level you have to kill two people. To get to the second level you have to kill two more people, and then so on and so forth. But someone worked out of like, well, everyone at your level also had to have killed two people. <laughs> And they worked out that by the time you get to the championship bout, it's like the two people stood there, you represent like the culmination of like 56,000 people being killed <laughs> in the arena. And it's like the people of like oblivion are like bloodthirsty monsters. And they worked out that's more like 10 times more people than were killed in all of Rome's history in their arenas Jesus in one arena in oblivion. Christ. And you can do that quest in like an hour. So in like one hour, you can just like... Because that's like people oh. never think about how the math works on that, do it? It's like, well, I killed two people, and mm-hmm. then two people and two people. Well, the people also had to have done the same thing, surely, to be at your level. Mm-hmm. And when you do the math on it and you break it down, it gets horrifying real fast. Because like every time you go up a stage, it's like more and more people get added to the equation that all mm-hmm. had to reach that same point, and yeah, it's just multiplicative. Yeah, and when someone calculates, like, yeah, it's like a couple hundred thousand people lost their lives in this arena. And like, if you look at the crowd, there's like four people watching. It's yeah. like, no wonder there's no one left. Oh, uh, and I think, like, you know, it's a pretty, I'd say, like, common trope. Have you got, like, a favorite arena battle that you have in, like, a video game? Ooh. I'm trying to think off the top of my head what one that I've done. Well, I've like, got, you know, I, my answer would just be the really, like, common, obvious one of, like, just Kingdom Hearts when fucking Sephiroth arrives. Oh, it's the final boss is Sephiroth. like, oh, well, shit. That's the thing, you think you're super good until you just did a dun, 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 dun. Oh, dear God, no. It's like, oh, shit, now he's here. Oh, no, he's even edgier. Do you know a bit like Squilliam in SpongeBob where he takes his shirt off? Oh, God, no, he's hot. It's even worse. No, I can't kill him. I try to think. I know it's like it is a classic trope, but I'm struggling to think of one off the top of my head of like an arena where you got to fight. Like, I guess like the Final Fantasy games. Mm. I quite like uh, me in Final Fantasy VII remake. She went to Sephiroth. Yeah, where you, yeah. you got where you basically fight the Hell House, and I remember. <laughs> I think it's the exact moment I stopped giving a shit about beating games on hard mode. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's when I went and did the hard mode version of the Colosseum fight in Final Fantasy VII remake. And Hellhouse spit out three Tombrays, and I went, now. Oh, no. Because Tombrays, people don't know, have got instant death spells, and they can hit you from off screen. And there's they, no way to counter it besides, they like, just, just don't get hit. slowly walk towards you and insta kill you if you get caught. Yeah. And the Hellhouse's gimmick is that it has, like, a 90% resistance to all forms of damage for five straight minutes. So it's just five minutes of running around as this house fires missiles made of Tombrays at you. And I just went, you know what? I don't need to get the achievement for this. I, I, I'm good. I got enough out of this game. Oh, dear. Like, that, you deserve an adoring fan if you beat that. Yeah, or potentially um, the moment in Ninja Gaiden 2 where you fight mm. Volf, the ruler of storms, who's a werewolf with four arms, in, a, in a, an arena which is just full of other werewolves getting hype, <laughs> and when you kill him, you steal his, like, giant weapon, which is a scythe, and fight infinite werewolves <laughs> for five minutes until a helicopter turns up and shoots them all. 
That's pretty high. That's a pretty good arena moment. That was a really good arena moment. Like a different way to do it. So it wasn't just like a go in and do like combat challenges, but yeah, mm-hmm. a very good arena moment in a video game. And, um, or, or potentially maybe just any Ferrana fight when you get like proper on it. Like well, you can play as a, a gladiatorial um, combatant. When you just push someone off the side, yeah. Like a true yeah. champion. What's, yeah. Well, I, the gladiator in um, uh, Ferrana, one of his moves is just the buckler smash. <laughs> just punch you in the face with a buckler and stabs you in the toes. And it's like, for the glory of Rome, let's go. Have you seen they're still updating that game? That game's been out eight really? years. They've released... There's new characters. Like, there's like a pirate in it now. Like oh The game God. is now just Deadliest Warrior. Yeah. yeah. And I don't understand how they've not just made and said, fuck it, For Honor 2, because people know For Honor 1 has like three factions, like Samurai, Knights, Vikings. Mm. And then they've got like another faction of like Chinese warriors. And now they've just got like this random third faction. And they're really starting to struggle to fit people into these various factions. Fuck it. Start from the ground up and just make historical warrior fighter game called mm. For Honor and put a knight in, put a viking in, put a samurai in, but then start putting in shit like, you know, because uh, I think they have just recently put in like a jaguar warrior like mm. Mesoamerica. Like, put a Spartan in, put a ninja in, just make it deadliest warrior. That'd be awesome, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, fair play to For Honor for just sticking around it, for so long. There's new, a new character came out two months ago. <laughs> And of course, the DLC costs a fucking fortune because it's Ubisoft. Meanwhile, like, <sighs> Roller Champions didn't even get released properly, and it's, like, no. all over the shop with Ubi. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like how straight away, this this is not a long wiki article. She figured no, no, we could uh, riff off stuff for a bit, but it's, like, the uses of the adoring fan. It's, like, as a follower, the fan has limited uses. Well, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. I think he's equipped with like a dagger and a torch, isn't he? Uh, well, he refuses to fight in combat. Okay. And yeah, he has um, like a torch as in, like, you know, fire on a stick. Not that he needs torch. that because his hair's so bright and the bloom in Oblivion. Because <laughs> I think that's the thing, like, Oblivion came out in the age of bloom. People don't know bloom. is just when, I think it was like a weird quirk of like the Unreal Lighting Engine that just character models glowed. No, it wouldn't like, have been leech- Unreal, would it? Because, uh, they made their own engine. I can't remember what it's called before Creation Engine, but it's well, whatever it is they use for like Skyrim and Oblivion, like just mm-hmm. they hadn't figured out the lighting yet, so character models literally glowed. And you just have like that, like that screenshot of like you're talking to Patrick Stewart in the first five minutes, and he's like, "Do you want to say?" Anything? And he's glowing. He looks like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I still remember getting all that first little dungeon. And just like, and ah, just the blue. Oh. Oh, the mountains are glowing. What's going on? Well, I guess it, it, it kind of fit the thing, didn't it? Of like, you step out of the, to see the world that you're in. But just mm-hmm. the amount of bloom <laughs> is so ridiculous. It's like, oh, no, I can't handle it. It's maybe the glowiest game I've ever played. It's the, the era of bloom, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it did look, for the time, it looked amazing. It, it did and it didn't. Because, I think like, it's more the amount elements- of stuff you could do. Yeah, certain elements were very impressive, but like the character models, obviously Bethesda never get right, and like they just looked straight up bad even at the time. Yeah, but yeah, I still remember. You know, my friend showed me their 360 with Oblivion on. I was like, "Holy crap! Like, there's so much going on here." Yeah, uh, there's just like a lot of video game there. There is, yeah, and I'm sure compared to the likes of Starfield, it's tiny, but mm-hmm. you know. When Oblivion came out in like 
05 or 06 or whatever. It was very impressive. It was something you, like someone worked out like GTA 4 as a map that's like four square miles wide. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it feels like a living, breathing New York City. Mm-hmm. And one of my favourite things about the adoring fan is just, yeah, he refuses to fight in combat. Instead, he runs away and tries to hide until the battle is over. But mm-hmm. this can prove fatal as he normally runs into more enemies and most likely becomes critically damaged or killed. Yep. So he's, like, he's not even good at running away from the battle. They've never figured it out. Like None of these like Bethesda games have ever figured out how to get followers who don't just kill themselves. It's like everyone has seen like the gif of dog meat in Fallout. Oh, God. It's like just walking into trip mines, which is admittedly is what's very funny and what a dog would probably do. And also, it's, it's very handy if the follower cannot die fully. Yes. Um, because you can just you know, essentially get them to go do stuff like trip mines for you. Yeah. Now you can just like fuss rodar them into traps and they'll yeah. be fine. Which is what I do with Lydia. <laughs> I still remember Lydia was the one that I had at the time when I thought that followers couldn't die die. I thought they'd just yeah. get like knocked down and come back up after battle has ended. And she she had like everything I owned on there. Mm-hmm. On a did you off a cliff and and she just she fell into a pit and died and it, like all my shit was just gone I was like no because uh, I'm not reloading it's like, done. she did reappear eventually but not with all my stuff I still remember though it was a friend of mine who was playing Oblivion it was Oblivion or Skyrim I think it was and it was Oblivion and he said just one day he had like, the house in like, the big fancy city, like Shadenhall, I think it is, like the mm-hmm. really fancy house you'd get. He bought that. And one day a beggar just turned up in his front room <laughs> and was begging for money in his house, and he couldn't get rid of him. That's a way to do it, though, isn't it? Just he said, turn he said, up to a millionaire's house and beg from the inside. But he says that like, he was just in his house and he couldn't get rid of him. And then what he did is he, like, he tried to like, stealth, like, you know, pick his pocket to see what was going on. Mm. And he had his stuff in his pocket. <laughs> and it's just one of those things, like, it was just a bug where, like, the guy just, like, clearly bugged into the house and mm-hmm. wouldn't move. But that's one of the things, like, it's great. Because have you ever seen this, like, that breakdown of, like, all the things that are wrong with, like, not wrong, but these weird quirks of how big the worlds are that Bethesda make of, like, there's a there's an NPC in Oblivion where if you reverse pickpocket bread into their pocket, the game crashes <laughs> and no one knows why. And there's just, like, there's just little things like that. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing is, um, you know, even when it comes to, like, Starfield, they're like, it's the most polished Bethesda game that we've ever launched. It's like, that's true, but there's still a lot of bugs. Yeah, so we had uh, one of the most popular videos for Fact Fiend is talking about the Oblivion AI, where it was originally a lot more involved. The problem was that it was, in their words, too smart, because they have this thing called Radiant AI, where characters had, like, basically, you know, a pre-programmed set of things to do in a day, where they're allowed to act within um, a certain like realm of parameters to like fulfill those goals. So, say for example, they'll wake up at a certain time and then go for food. Mm-hmm. And like if you, for example, pickpocket all the food off them and then steal all the food in their house, they'll go to the nearest place they can buy it. And if they can't buy it, they'll go out and hunt. And based on whether or not they have like a high morality or low morality, they might steal food. Mm-hmm. But they said that initially it was a lot more advanced, and they gave the AI a lot broader range of options to choose from but then npcs are just go missing 
And you like yeah. walk into towns and NPCs wouldn't be there. And it's like, well, what is it? Well, they were hungry and they needed money. <laughs> so they just went to another town and stole stuff from there. And you like do missions and you'd find people already <clears throat> dead because they've been robbed by other NPCs. Yeah, so I recently uh, rewatched the short of that mm-hmm. put out, and remember you mentioning like, oh, um, there was like a skooma dealer that kept dying yes. because skooma was like a drug in that game, and yep. um, just all of the people that were addicted to that drug would just end up like beating the shit out of the drug dealer, taking yeah. all their drugs and running away. And it was to the point where they said, like, even from the second one, the second, like, you know, the game instance loaded, every single skooma addict in, like, the world would just converge on his location like vampires, <laughs> punch him to death, and then all, like, fight over the skooma in that cave. And it's like we had to reduce their AI and the stuff they could do because we couldn't find any way to avoid that. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously, to- like, you you never know how much of this is kind of... Um, you know, made up or maybe exaggerated Industry by law, the yeah. devs and stuff like that. Like, just look at Peter Molyneux with his fucking acorn that can grow into a tree. But yeah, I do love that idea that just like you load up the game and every skooma addict just immediately starts confining on one location. Yeah, and there's like, there's a bunch of stuff they'd say you could sometimes sometimes stuff would just happen of like there'll be you'd walk into towns and sometimes there'd be fistfights. Mm. And so why is there a fistfight? It's like well because. AI would sleep with each other, but they were also programmed to get jealous. <laughs> so, you know, we'd program some AI just like, you know, for randomness, like, you know, every AI is like, it's like random, like promiscuous scale, for example, like one to 30. And just mm-hmm. some were programmed to be so high that they'd just go and sleep with random people. Same thing with like, you know, the morality scale, where that's like start to impact the world in really unexpected ways. Yeah. And you might have that if you look at. Because I think if you're on the right wiki for this, they'll they'll tell you like the internal in-game stats for the um, adoring fan. Um, Do you have those? Because like every AI has like inbuilt so stats. It says level is PC six. Um, it's class is commoner, rank is follower, essential mm-hmm. no, respawn yes, and then it's got like a reference ID and a base ID. But it doesn't seem to have anything else other than that. Yeah, it's like, uh, for example, there's a character in the game called City Swimmer. So mm. I'm presuming you're on the like the Elder Scrolls pages, which is a really good wiki. I really like this yes. as a wiki. Mm-hmm. And um, City Swimmer is an Argonian who is located in Bravo in Oblivion. And she, for example, she has 80 health, 66 <clears throat> magicka, and a responsibility rating of 5, which is quite low, which means that she will steal if the opportunity presents itself. And she's right. programmed to have no food on her. So, I'll read it higher. So, she owns a lower-class second-floor condo in the northeastern part of town. She sleeps there every night between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. After waking up, she unlocks the door and spends the next, next two hours relaxing inside. So, I mean, every NPC has a set program like this. Mm-hmm. Um, at 8 a.m., she sits down and eats her breakfast until she ventures outside at 10 a.m. For the next 10 hours, she wanders around the northern part of Brazil, regardless of weather. At 12 p.m. <laughs> and 6 p.m., she will get hungry and will, due to her respons- low responsibility, never shy away from stealing food from townsfolk passing by. However, due to her low sneak and pickpocket skills, because I think all the NPCs also have random skills, um, she will often get caught and get in trouble with the patrolling guards, leading to her untimely demise. As a result, you often just walk into Braville and find City Swimmer just dead on the floor with a stolen loaf of bread on her. And you just got no clue what's happened. And the thing is, though, for a lot of people, they thought that was intentional because it makes mm-hmm. it seem like a setup when you walk into a town and there's a murder victim. What happened? 
And it does <laughs> result in some kind of interesting, like, you know, just emergent gameplay opportunities. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a shame that they never f- found out a way to figure that out because that could have been kind of fun. I, li- I really like the idea of that, but yeah, I also agree that, like, as the dev said, like, they toned it down because it, it wouldn't be too interesting to, like, walk into a city and everyone just killed each other. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it makes sense. And I'm kind of, like, glad that we, we end up where we did because it just causes some bullshit. But there I also some, yeah. do like the idea of just, yeah, like, just randomly just, you know, everything going wrong with the game because... There's, yeah, there's some, yeah, fucking amazing ones. Like, there's some some characters who, um, like, again, noise is a thing that's programmed into the game. Mm. And there are some characters that live near dogs. And, like, again, there's just people out there say, I'm playing the game, and I just heard some dogs barking, and a guy comes out of his house and fireballs them to death and oh, goes back no. to sleep. Yeah, that's, oh. it's, and that can just randomly happen if the guy happens to be asleep and the dogs bark loud enough to wake the NPC up. And then he's programming, he's just like, just, like you know, find the source of the noise and stop it, which is some dogs. <laughs> And he just does results. Yeah, crazy villager that's like chasing dogs around, throwing fireballs at them. This is just one of those things that makes it feel more alive. Because like, you know there are weirdos out there in the world who might do something like that. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that I can experience like, or I can talk about my experience of having a town with no one in it. Okay, because I still remember that one time that I um. Didn't really know 100% what I was doing yet with mm-hmm. um, shouts in a blue in a, a blue in Skyrim. Yeah. And I, I went into Whiterun with my newly acquired shout of Cold Storm. Call, it's always, they ev- they everyone did this, yeah. didn't know what it did and just Cold Storm in Whiterun and everyone was gone. And if everyone doesn't know, it literally calls a lightning storm. That just and attacks everyone, yeah. It just attacks it every randomly NPC. hits any any like NPC or any enemy character. Like it's meant to just be call a storm upon your opponents and they all die. Mm-hmm. But I just called it on the town and just yep. Yeah. I think everyone has that experience the first time. Like, oh, I wonder what this does. It's like first first time you get like Fuss Rodar. I think everybody accidentally Fuss Rodar the Greybeards and they all go <laughs> hostile. And the Greybeards are programmed to know every shout in the game. So what they'll do is they'll just so you'll get eight people fuss row die at the same time <laughs> and your body will ragdoll into the atmosphere. Oh god! And although it's just it's the best. I That's why it. those games, as much people criticize them, you can't get that from any other genre. You can't. You can't. No. And like it's it's one of those of I think the best way to like you know listen to a review of Starfield is when people are just like Look. talking about the bugs, yeah. It's a good, it's a very good Bethesda game, but it's a very Bethesda, Bethesda game. Take that, Will, with like, you know, the the pros and the cons. And I think, yeah, the problem is, well, it came out the same year as Baldur's Gate, and it's just yeah. like Baldur's Gate wins. I've like, been, like, mate, I've Baldur's been playing Gate that nonstop for is the like last week. Six years in development and multiple so years of early access, just like it's, it's listening so to feedback and refining it and stuff. Like, yeah, mate, it's it's the best. It's I, I someone asked me to review it for him, saying I don't really like doing that for games, but I said it's the video game. Yeah. So what do you mean? It's like, well, it's the video game. Like, it's the video game I'm going to play for the next five years. Like, like whenever I get the itch to play a video game, I'll boot up Baldur's Gate and play it. The fact that that's, we part, that's it. Baldur's Gate three and Tears of the Kingdom in the same year is like these are like video game ass video games. Yeah, and it's like just and the again the amount of like random shit that can just happen 
Mm-hmm. Like my character in Baldur's Gate, all they do is push people off the edge. <laughs> because I put all my points into athletics, which allows you to push. So all I do in every combat encounter is run up to the strongest person there, push them over, and then my barbarian goes and caves the skull in with a sledgehammer. <laughs> and it's, but what we do is I've set my team to never kill anyone. So after I've done that, then I just pile up the bodies in the corner of the room, and oh. then that's it. Just leave them there. Oh, no. And yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to playing some Baldur's Gate 3. I haven't yet, but yeah, just the possibilities inside that game sound incredible. It, it's, like I said, it's the video game. Mm-hmm. It is the video game. And yeah, it does kind of like take some of that shine away from the, the discussion around Starfield, because it's like, Starfield, a game with many, many possibilities, and many other possibilities due to the bugs also mm-hmm. coming in play. But yeah, when you've got Baldur's Gate sitting right there, it's it's a bad comparison. I did see, though, that... Bad that, for Starfield. Again, I've not seen much about Starfield, but I saw like someone in Starfield has created the perfect impossible-to-hit ship. I saw and it's just, it's just like a straight line, and that's it's it. Like, and it's, it's, like, like, it's like the outline of a cube or something, yeah. because the ship... <laughs> This like the the AI is programmed to aim for the middle of the ship, but the yes, middle of the just, ship is empty space. It's just yes, yeah, so it's just like this perfect cube, and it's like this is the perfect ship. No one can touch it, and you just and it's like you just see it flying around like nothing can hit this ship. It's perfect. <laughs> and um, and it's that whole thing like video gamers will inevitably find a way to min max the fun out of the video games they're playing because that's already oh, happened with um. At Go least, yep. like, the min-maxing of the fun out of that looks incredible. It looks hilariously dumb, yes, because I yeah. remember that was with Baldur's Gate. The reason I've not mentioned on any social media or talks about it much is because I've had a party member die. Mm. You know what? I'm gutted that they're dead, and I'll no doubt go back after the fact to figure out what I did wrong, and then try to avoid that. But I know that if I talked about this, all like my, my teammate died, they'd be like, well, you should have done this. It's like, how would I know to do that if I'd not <laughs> looked it up and spoiled it for myself? And it's yeah. like, but then people would want to spoil it for you. It's like, oh no, like Carlac died. It's like because I messed up. I was yeah. role playing as a character and fucked up. That's Dungeons and Dragons, right? You fuck up and you roll with it. And I think like that's the thing is, I like the idea of fucking up and rolling with it. But I also don't like that discussion online of like people saying that's the only way to play. And if you save scum, then you're not playing it properly. It's like fuck off. Just no. You know what? They paid for that game. They can play however the fuck they want. If they yeah. want to if save like, scum. Yeah. Do it. If you want to ruin your own experience, do that. Because I've had a lot of fun. Like I've had a couple of things where it's like I've gone into an encounter and I went, this is bad. And I've reset because I've like, you know what, I want to try the encounter again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you play the game that you want, but it's just it's people it's, like that are always going to... You know, same with like XCOM and uh, Fire Emblem, two games that I've played quite a lot of, where it's like strategy games with permadeath. Yeah. And it's like, as hard as it can be at times to let go sticking with the permadeath can make for a really interesting run. It does make for an interesting experience, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's no permadeath in that stuff, like, you know, story permadeath. But yeah, I've seen plenty of... I did like the the, the way someone summed it all over, like, you can really tell that a lot of people are not honest about their roles in Dungeons & Dragons, given how much they're complaining. It's like, look, there's a lot of 15s in that game. And you'll be mm-hmm. like, that's bullshit, I didn't roll a 15. It's like, well, 15s are one in four chance. Yeah. Chances are, you're not going to roll that every single time, even with bonuses. But the amount of people are like, yeah, your your DM really, like, you know, lets you off with a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. For sure. But, um, it's like you just roll with it. I, I was listening to uh, another podcast um, just 
not long before coming to record, um, mm-hmm. came some pesticides and like one of them brought up like a bug they had in Starfield that I thought was great, and it was which is um, that when they use a scoped weapon, when they scope, it sends the scope behind them, so they have to turn around and do like a one eighty every time they want to scope on someone. That looks great. It must look incredible because like all no that happens in yeah. combat is like the the person turns around aims their gun and just starts blind firing behind them and just instantly kills everything. Just looks like a fucking badass. <laughs> that's how it's being bold. Like, you know, that, one reason I'm excited to play it again is because you know, as I've gone through the game, I've learned more about how the combat works and realised the, the flexibility that's there. But I realised, like, oh, my vampire can just jump, like, 400 foot through the air because he's a fucking vampire. <laughs> and I had an encounter where I went, well, I don't want to fight these dudes. And I was on top of a cliff. And I went, well, I can just fucking just jump off the cliff, right? And I did. Mm. And my vampire, and you saw, he did a proper big massive jump. <laughs> landed on the floor, eat shit super hard. But because he jumped, and then all the NPCs tried to jump after him and failed. Oh, and no. And they landed in the cliff. And I was like, why well, won? And I got XP for it. And I like, <laughs> fucking nailed it. Well, I guess that's a good way to just end. Because we didn't really talk about the adoring fan, but it, not it much spawned more a nice this. discussion, which is what yeah. I wanted. And, um, it just says here, the adoring fan will always take the shortest route back to the arena if ever told to go away. This can include jumping off cliffs and mountains. And it's just the idea of, like, I don't need you right now. Please go away. And it's like, oh, yeah, sure, just jumps off mountains. That's the thing is with the program, isn't it? Like, okay, so it, it probably makes sense on paper. Of like, okay, what when you're dismissing, what should he do? Well, he's invincible, so he should just go as the crow flies, right? Just in a straight mm. line back to the arena. <laughs> and they never considered, like, you know... Or perhaps they did and they just didn't give a shit about, well, what happens if you do that when you're on top of a cliff or there's a wall in the way? Mm-hmm. And I, I I, guess they probably realise that's exactly what happens, but it just looks way more fun because, as I say, like even in Starfield, they just like barrel their way through any obstacle they see to they're get that, to yeah. you. They're that much of a fan. <laughs> they're so much of a fan they will like barrel any amount of people out of their way to get to you. Oh, and yeah, um, just says as well, like, you know, that was voiced by uh, Craig Seckler, and they also um, voiced everybody else in Skyrim. Voiced voiced everyone in Skyrim, and also came back to reprise their adoring fan role in Starfield. I love when they do that. Mm -hmm. It's like, I was so disappointed, like yourself, I imagine, that they didn't bring back the guy who did the voice of the stranger in RE4. Yeah. They didn't bring him back. So I the found out for fact. Yeah, yeah. He's, the, he's the voice of Leon as well. And obviously, they got a new voice actor for Leon. I thought that'd be nice, like you know, give the old voice actor for Leon a little bit of credit in the new game. See, he, he tries to. He's just not saying it's like the welcome. Yeah, what like, are you buying? The the new one is fine and has great lines. Like the writing for them is great, mm-hmm. but they're just not quite the original RE4 merchant. It's, the thing is, they're too good. And as yeah. a result, I don't like them because RE4 was like a send-up to B-movies, mm-hmm. which had bad, cheesy dialogue. Yeah, it. Uh, same with um, Salazar. I was about to say Sadler. Salazar as well being... Mr. Kennedy! Just the fact that he's worse in RE4 makes it better. Yeah. He's more he's more like campy, which is what you want, because that's you know, the series is like, you know, very camp. Yeah, and like both like the voice and the grandma haircut... Salazar is just not as good in that remake. Yeah. An incredible remake that finished like ten times through. Yeah. But there's a couple of moments where it's like, 
oh, they've not quite nailed the character as hard. It's like, we ain't got, like, yeah, I'd love what they did with Krauser, but I do like when he just stands up, rips his shirt off and says, I'm an American. <laughs> and it's like, because, yeah, he is. He is an American. And, yeah, I think it's just the general, like, RE vibes nowadays of being a little bit more serious than they used to be. Which makes it funnier because like, we n- we'll never forget what Chris punched that boulder. <laughs> we'll never forget that he did that. I can't wait for the RE5 remake where they have to address that. I can't wait for the RE5 remake see what they make the black people look like. Oh, no. No. Let's see. Do you remember when they just added one token white NPC character? Oh, yeah. After the trailer got really poor feedback. It was like, oh, Capcom. Oh dear, and on that note, Carl, I'm going to send us to a lovely break so that we yes. can get away from that moment. That's the thing, we don't get to pick when we put breaks in now, do we? Because YouTube just puts breaks in automatically. We should still get to manage mid-rolls, I believe. Okay, because that's like an update. So if you do see random mid-roll, I was like, we... here's the thing, up until very recently, creators always had full control, as long as your video's over eight minutes, of where every ad is placed. Mm-hmm. So when you saw creators talking about how, well, I don't get to control mid-roll ads, like showing they get, get cut off halfway through a sentence, that's complete bullshit, and I'm always baffled why or how creators got away with that for so long of saying, well, I don't control where the ads are, when you just can click on a YouTube video. You can upload a YouTube video for yourself and just see if you have 100% <laughs> control. And then the fact that no one ever got called on that in like 10 years. Mm-hmm. How often did you see YouTube creators like all the time? Hitting back at fans who are like, why is there an ad in the middle of a sentence? And they're like, I don't control where the ads are. It's like, you literally do. Yeah. And what I mean is, when I tell YouTube to place it automatically, I don't get to decide where those automatic ads are. But it's like, you always had perfect control over wherever an ad was. Down to like, the, I think it's like two decimal places of a second. Yeah, 0.2 of a second. And it's like, yeah, that you always had complete control over it until now, where YouTube has decided to take a lot of that control away. And as I said, yeah. I think the update means that we will manage mid-rolls still, but the rest of it will be taken away from us. Yeah, but I thought I'd mention that was a thing that always, privately myself and you would always get frustrated by when content was, I don't choose where ads are. It's like, this, it's such an obvious and easily disproven lie, and then mm-hmm. everyone believes it. Yeah. It, when they it, just say, it was I don't like get a communal ch- lie that everyone wanted to go along with. Yeah, and I remember every time I talk about it, someone's like, no, it's not, because insert content creators said that they don't control it. It's like, maybe. Maybe they're just lying to you because they just want more money and they don't actually give a shit. It's like, here is my screenshot of my YouTube channel that I manage where I get to, again, down to like points of a second control where those go. Here is evidence that they lied. Yeah, it's like maybe just content creators are your friends. Unlike me and Lucas, who are both your friends, you can follow us on social media. Yeah, yeah, be our best friend (laughs) on social media and on Twitch and um, uh, all that good stuff. Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll get back to Carl's wiki. Mm. And we are back. And just before we get into Carl's wiki, just a little reminder that obviously if you're listening on podcast services, just give us a little rating over there. Mm-hmm. If you like all of the ads we've now crammed in. No, I'm joking. Um, but, you know, leave us a like, subscribe, do all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And remember that after you've listened to the podcast, let us know which wiki you think won this week. Yes. So that's not which wiki covers your favorite thing, although it can be if 
your criteria for rating it is that basic. But we'd like to ask, like, which wiki do you think um, inspired the most interesting or entertaining conversation? So that's yes. kind of the idea behind this, isn't it? If we find something we're vaguely interested in or have a tertiary knowledge of, go into mm-hmm. the wiki and just see what fun stuff we can find. Yeah, like, for example, today I didn't aim for a wiki page that I thought was a good wiki page. I thought it would be good to discuss Bethesda games again. Yeah, a good jumping off point for a conversation with some fun stuff in there, like just the fact that he has, his pathing means he'll run off the edge of cliffs, which I didn't <laughs> know. I learned something new from that. Hell yeah, but Carl, what have you got for our consideration this week? Okay, so I've got two wikis, but they're basically the same thing. So I th- okay. I'm going to continue with my trend of talking about bad <laughs> television. And I have got two of my favourite reality TV shows to talk about, because the wiki pages for each one, which are found on Wikipedia, be linked below for anyone who wants to read them for themselves, uh, are pretty short, not exactly mm-hmm. like the most um, uh, like chock-a-block full of information-wise, but I think they're basically the same show and say format and concepts with a slight twist. So the two that it, I've got this week are... Hang on, can I, can I just ask? Before you tell us which ones they are, is one of them to do with hunting Bigfoot? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually have three wiki pages because I've got like, you know my wiki that I'm recording after this, you know, for mm-hmm. the wiki weekends, like the actual don't, video. Don't tell people how the pudding is made, Carl. Yeah, and one of those might be about Bigfoot. But <laughs> the two I picked for this week are Come Dine With Me and Four in a Bed. So, Carl, I don't know whether you know how much I've watched both these programs. So I, I don't. Yeah, I know. do now. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to need two wikis because we might be able to talk about one of these shows for at least half an hour. Yes, because come dine with me and four in a bed. Uh, we'll get to them, so I'll go through the intro for each <laughs> time, give the broad synopsis. But of they're course. quintessential student and unemployed person watching in Britain. Because they air mm-hmm. every day about five o'clock on like Channel Four, I think it is, and that's the perfect time if you're a student and you're just getting in, and you just sit and you watch this absolute wankass TV. But because it's about like the stakes are so low, which <laughs> makes how petty the contestants get so funny. So we're going to start with "Come Down with Me" or four in a bed, Lucas." Um, let's start with Come Dine With Me, and I want to mention, okay. just because like we get comments about it every now and then, this podcast would not exist if I had to sit there and go through and edit this like a regular wiki video. So and put clips in and stuff, Clips yes. are not a thing because this is a podcast, and the point of a podcast is the discussion, mm-hmm. not the clips. The reason that we have the wiki videos is for the clips. Yeah, and, and I, it was really, yeah. And it was really tough for me because I was thinking, should I do a full video on this? Mm-hmm. Because I would love to put the clips in. But at the same time, I'd also like to have the conversation. So, so come yeah. down with me. Say a, a British reality series that's aired on Channel 4 since 2005. So it still airs to this day. As of 2020, so this page has not been updated in a while, there have been 45 series. Holy to a total of... Does it have any... I don't think it has the number of episodes... Um, I'm going to guess there's 40 episodes in a series and 45 there's like 40 episodes yeah because they have to do each remember each isn't there I think there might be 20 because I think there might be four you know what let's check number of come dine with me episodes because each each time you get a group of people there's five different people which means you need five nights Lucas there is a thousand and fifty one (laughs) episodes There's nearly as many come dine with me as One Piece. Exactly. 
And those things that when I talk about on this podcast, like I ain't got time to watch One Piece. <laughs> people might, but I watched this and four in a bed. Oh, but format. Oh. The show features five amateur chefs who live in the same town or general geographical area. With each, um, and they each host a three-course dinner party for the other contestants in their own home. Each competitor will then rate the host's food and hosting skills during a taxi journey home. With the highest-scoring chef winning a thousand-pound cash. And so I think if that's about, it's not a lot. Like you know, it's that's a lot of money to a lot of people, but mm-hmm. to the very specific kind of person who wants to host a dinner party on TV, mm-hmm. it's it's not that much. Especially when you like see some of the houses that I they go mean, to. Like, there's quite a fair amount of people that I would consider like either upper working class or middle class people on there. Yeah. Or just straight up upper class. I yeah, remember there's, there are some. Yeah, there's an episode where a lady for like her dinner just like starts plying them all with actual champagne, like bottles of Cristal. Which like markets like I think like ninety to hundred pounds a bottle retail, if not more, and she like gives she has like five bottles of that to try and win a thousand pounds. Yeah, and I think they get given about two. I think it's either two hundred or two hundred fifty quid for the night. Um, yeah, they're given a budget. Like, given a budget that Channel Four will provide you because obviously, like people are providing a three course meal to four other people. Like, no, it's not. It's not cheap. But they uh, they are given a budget behind the scenes to take care of it. But you're allowed to spend. All of it or none of it. Mm-hmm. It's up to you. Like um, The episode features the same group of chef contestants and are broadcast in sequence, which is why I consider it to be like you know quintessential like hungover TV mm-hmm. or unemployed TV. Because it's like it's five it's five different chefs, five episodes in a week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you get to Friday, and that's the episode where they solve an argument. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because but... it's, fi- it's the final, isn't it? It's great. Um, I will say as well that term amateur chef used very loosely there like these are just like literal just people pulled off the street when it says amateur chefs like just people who think they can cuff that's all it is and that's the thing as well and that's why i like the um the show sometimes you'll just get like genuine people like like you know it's like a a couple like there's like there's plenty of episodes where it's like an elderly couple who like we just want to entertain you know and they're making like a good hearty meal and like there's a gimmick of you have to do something to entertain. Mm-hmm. So they'll like, you know, they'll say, oh, I've got a, a talent. I used to be like, you know, a singer or something. They'll sing and they'll have like a couple of beers and everyone have a good time. But then you get the people like, no, um, I, I, I'm Gordon Ramsay incarnate. <laughs> and if like people criticize their food, they'll be like, well, get out of my house. It's like, we can't have got four more episodes to film. <laughs> and I, I absolutely love as well, because we haven't mentioned yet. You said couple. There is like, there's Couples come down with me. me. And then couples come dine with me. Wait, so couple tries to um, host, yes. And, and couples come dine with me is amazing. It's even better because just the amount of like just pettiness doubles. It really does. I, I it's a shame we can't put clips in because there's an episode where like I forget the exact details, but the couple is a, a comedian and her husband, mm. and she's like she talks about being a comedian. But she's not funny, <laughs> and you can tell that she's on the episode because she's like, "Oh, it's gonna, you know, this is gonna boost Promoter. my career." Yeah, yeah. It's like, and they talk about, "Oh, especially I'm a comedian. I've been on TV," and all the people are like, "Have you?" And they don't know who, she, and you can tell she's annoyed that they don't know who she is. <laughs> and like, they'll have like the the talking head segments where she's like, "I think we're just doing it to get a rise out of me, saying I'm not funny," and it's like, "You're just not funny. Like, you, you're just not funny." 
but she thinks that she is, and that's amazing because the harder she goes in, it's like she well, gets less and less funny. I was going to say she's not funny in the way she thinks she might be. Yeah, but yeah, um, like, I'm, and I'm, like, that I'm episode is glad. amazing. I'm kind of glad that we don't have to put clips in the podcast though, because I I edit the podcast, and if you're like naming random things and i've got thousand and fifty episodes to look through it's like that's it it's one it's one piece for unemployed british people let's go (laughs) i have each episode's like three times the length of an one piece episode it's like i remember when i heard that like just uh some sort someone described gray's anatomy as one piece for white women and i was like (laughs) absolutely fucking lost my shit (laughs) I i couldn't help it i'm gonna see if i can find the thing a comedian on come dine with me just to see if we can find out the name of the comedian. I still remember, um, I think it was like our groundskeeper or something in our school mm-hmm. uh, went on Come Dine With Me, and it was like one of the only times where everyone just agreed that they were a lovely person that made really nice food, mm-hmm. and they just absolutely fucking nailed it, and we were all just celebrating them afterwards. It was great. Yeah, that's like some people want it, just like they want to go on it for a good time. It's mm-hmm. like they're not there to try and impress anyone. It's like, I just think I'm a decent cook. Mm-hmm. But then you get the people like, no, I'm I'm God's kid. Oh, like they, like they said, the comedian who's like, I'm really... And they said, and you always know if you're going to be into a fucking good streak of episodes when it starts. Like, well, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And you just go, oh. Like you start out and it's like, they, they pan to like... I, I remember one and it got to me because, um, you know, I, I live in Liverpool and it was someone from fucking Warrington okay. going, I hate Scousers. And then it pans to the most scouse woman in the world. <laughs> of course, yeah. And it's like, yeah, they oh, they know exactly what they're doing. What's this? What they yeah, they, they they in very clearly intentionally try to get some friction because you know without the friction you wouldn't get the fire that makes the episode. So mm-hmm. they'll often pair people like, oh, I'm like you know I'm like working class, like you know proud northerner. I don't want, I'm not a southern fairy. Just pans over to like the most toffy of toffs yep. you've ever seen, like as a. The late great Sean Lott would say, a person who looks like they're halfway through a sneeze is how he describes like posh people. <laughs> like that. And he's just like, we're about to see some fucking fireworks. There is always a lovely bit of gammon on that show, Carl. There is, yes. And it says here that the show has been voiced over for its entirety of its run by Dave Lamb, who uh, includes sarcastic comments on the chef's food and interior design. That's one of the things that makes it so great. Because it's just mm-hmm. so quintessentially British of this guy, like, this They'll say, I think I'm a pretty good cut, and like, bish boss job done, and like, they'll zoom in on like this shit, like, <laughs> meringue, and the, just the narrator's like, cool. Yeah, great job you did there. And, um, it's obvious to say that this is a reality TV show where they, you know, a lot of production gets in the way and stuff, and apparently, like, behind the scenes, like, the production crew basically come in, ruin your house, and leave. And oh, yes, fuck off, yeah. Just fuck off, and like, there's a lot of talks about how they, um, basically because of every shot they have to get of all your food and stuff. Mm-hmm. The reason why everybody's always like they're taking so long, and then the food's always like cold and stuff, is because yeah, they need to get glamour shots. Yeah, they need to to get glamour shots of all the the food and stuff, so it always comes out cold, and therefore people complain more. And there's a lot of stories from people that are just like, yeah, it was just a shit show. 
Yeah. But and that creates more fun TV for us to watch. It does. And speaking of fun TV moments, we have a section on notable moments. So <laughs> a 2016 episode attracted particular attention when contestant Peter Marsh made several ungracious remarks upon losing to the winning contestant. And that's the thing. When you get the people who are salty about losing. Mm-hmm. And it's always good because sometimes the person who hosts last has to hand out the money. And sometimes, but not always, the person who's got the results is the loser. And they have to announce that they're the loser with the cash in their hand and then hand it over to the person. (laughs) There was that one where it's like, I can't remember. Um, It might be this one if you remember it. it. Just, it's the one where he's like, congratulations, woman. Like, I hope you're proud of yourself, you fucking bitch. Yes, yes, it is. So he said... And I quote, What a sad little life, Jane. Enjoy the money. I hope now you will spend it on getting some lessons in grace and decorum. We should have all the grace of reversing dump truck without any tyres on. And like, obviously, he just got made for like, what a fucking petty loot. Like, he's being this much of a whiny bitch. But at the same on time... On national TV. If non-British people are viewing that, that is like top-tier British insult right there. That, yeah. that, oh, that has got some bite to it. But the best bit is as well, though, I think in the episodes, I do recall this one, she just like, takes the money and says, thank you. And mm-hmm. that is so cool. <laughs> that guy, like, years later, still gets stick every time he's on the street. I'm like, all right, mate. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, another episode gained attention online when a clip on a video sharing site, YouTube, of contestant Kev Riley put an entire balloon whisk into his mouth. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that one? <laughs> Just the guy's like, oh, he's making like, uh, like a meringue or something. He goes, and always the most fun thing is like, you know, licking the, you know, the spoon afterwards. And he just puts an entire whisk into his mouth. Oh. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, it's this massive whisk. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to do the, the thing. He, he fucking goes, and I hope that's going to be the thumbnail for this one. <laughs> So he, like, he deep throat. Oh, Scott's also texting. Like, he deep throats the fuck out that whisk. Oh. It's like, I remember once, because there's another similar show. Right? It's Four in a Bed, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. Actually, no, I'll mention mm. it when we get to that, but there's a moment in that that's equally as crazy, but it's not found any attention online, and I'm baffled that it hasn't. And then we have uh, yeah. just other notable moments are, are from 2020 onwards due to COVID, all five contestants cooked and ate in the same house. Oh, so right, basically, okay. they just yeah. put them into the same house due to like lockdown measures, and that's all they really yeah. say. But there's obviously the spin-off. There's couples come dying with me, celebrity come dying with me, which is also hilarious mm-hmm. because like sometimes they don't know who the celebrity is. Yeah. So there's a similar show I like. It's called Dinner Dates. Oh, I think it is, and it's basically you go to someone's yeah. house and they make you a meal, and they had one called like Celebrity Dinner Dates. And there was legit a guy on there who was like on like Hollyoaks or something five years earlier. Mm. And the girl who went on the date, it's like, what's Hollyoaks? Like she didn't know. Because she like because she was told like I think she says in the episode, like, oh, I I, I thought it was celebrity dinner date. And the guy's like, I am a celebrity, and it's like, okay. I mean, I I will defend, you know, the the Merseyside treasure that is Hollyoaks. Yeah. But I just love stuff like that, though. It's like, uh, there's that legendary burn from like, someone like Teen Mom or something. Mm-hmm. Said uh, She had an interview and said, I just filmed a celebrity sex tape. And the interviewer asked with a straight face, who's the celebrity? Like, not not even as a joke. It's like, oh, who's the celebrity? <laughs> not realizing, like, and she's just like, me? You know, oh, sorry. 
Oh yeah, that's uh, that's come dine with me. And what do you pref- do? You prefer come dine with me to foreign? Because I think come dine with me just has more drama because insulting someone's cooking. Yeah, feels like such However, a personal thing. I think I think I think I like them both in different ways because foreign to bed gets way pettier. Yeah, because like like and the people, reasons why become evident when we get to the uh, yeah people just find in like little tiny bits of dust like. In, in place you'll never fucking imagine. Yeah. So, unclean. Yeah, so four in a bed, now moving swiftly on, is also known as three in a bed, um, uh, from 2010 to 2011. is a oh. British reality TV game show that's been airing on Channel 4 since April 2010. The show involves bed and breakfast, so B&B, again, quintessentially British, the mm. bed and breakfast, who take turns to stay with one another and pay what they consider fair and for their stay after giving feedback. The winner is the establishment named the best value for money. And that's where it really gets something because, like, there are some where it's like, you know, I remember there was one where very nice um, couple from the seams of it. Yep. Like, they run a very, like, you know, lower class, down to earth like, establishment in uh, Blackpool. Yeah, just pretty sad. Um, it's like, it's the most, and- the most basic of basics if you get a bed. Yeah, yeah somewhere, somewhere to lay your head, somewhere to take a shit and a shower. That's it. You somewhere to have a but, shit shower and a shave. Because like, even though they didn't really provide like the best experience or the best hotel or anything like that, because it's based on value for money, they yep. won by like a, like double the amount everyone else did. Because yeah, like, so the way it works yeah. is, say, say if you charge a hundred pounds for your room, and everyone decides, well, I'll pay a hundred pounds for the room, you have like one hundred percent of your sales but say mm-hmm. if you charge 30 pounds a room and someone overpays by 35 like i think the experience i got was worth more than 30 quid you've now got the overpay and that's like and that's where the pettiness comes in because mm-hmm. you'll have the people like but my airbnb like my bnb is better than yours mm-hmm. they're like what well, mine's better i've got more facilities and it's like but is it 30 quid though and that's where the yeah. pettiness comes in and that's the thing. I think they they had a, that kind of vibe where it was like, they literally charged like thirty or forty pounds or something for the night, and they were in competition with people who were charging hundreds of pounds per night. Mm-hmm. So it automatically means that they were essentially going to win because all of these people were like, "Well, it seems pretty fair to pay at least like sixty pounds a night for a B and B experience." And it's like, yep. even at a lower class B and B experience, you deserved like you 60, still get, yeah. 70, 80 pounds, which means they were getting like double the value for money kind of thing yeah really so the thing is like yeah because and people are wondering like how does is it that cheap in place like Blackpool you have to be because the amount of competition you have mm-hmm. like there's no shortage of B&Bs in a place like Blackpool but uh, yeah it says the format each pair of B&B owners or a single owner in some cases visit each other's B&Bs at the start of their visit they are told how much their room costs and if there are any separate charges for breakfast and I love when you get those guys who are like I've got to pay for my breakfast in a, and that's <laughs> the, I get that if you're staying at B and B, bed and breakfast, and breakfast is extra, <laughs> it's like, that's not that's a B and B, is it? Thing. It's not a B and B, is it? That's that's a it's bed. It's a B. It's a yeah, B. You, I'm, and I get why. Like, and I and you'll have the owner say, "Well, you know, the quality of breakfast. Not everyone wants like a hot breakfast on a morning." He goes, "Who gives a fuck? I do. You can't um, call yourself a B and B if you don't provide breakfast." One of my favorite episodes. Mm. With for multiple reasons is one again in Liverpool, yeah. and it's not because it's in Liverpool, but the fact that for their breakfast one of them drives to Mackey's on the way to get to the hotel. That's amazing. And is like, what do you all want? 
to, what to you be want fair, from Mackey's breakfast? To be fair, if I stayed in a, like a bed and breakfast and the guy for my wake up call called me up when I had a hangover in Liverpool, anyway, I'm not. I'm popping to Mackey's. I would give him an extra tenner. The thing I'll is, like, though, you are you are my savior. The hotel, t- like the hotel owner, was clearly the one hungover because they turned up late. That's like, amazing. Notably late and it was like an hour and a half after food was meant to arrive and like, yeah what do you want from Mackey's it's like wait what you want to fucking hear and, um, another part of that that I, I just adore and I think it was a person from Hollyoaks yeah it was uh, that celebrity dude he was yeah, like I'm too Olivier. busy being a celebrity I, I'm doing like and he's like you're not too busy and he was it was Philip Olivier and he said that he was too busy to like do most of the week but he did he did co-own the hotel yeah so he turned up for like the first night I remember this one yeah and then um then they did like their hotel and you know people rated it quite poorly and he cancelled one of his yeah. like days of filming to come back and yeah, do he was the like, B&B experience for the one that rated them poorly yeah he was like an extra on some film or something and he's yeah. like no nah, i'm sorry i'm too busy filming and they say well what's the, why are you on this show then like if you were too busy fil- why do you turn up for the first episode mm-hmm. if not to try and like increase your profile yeah and then yeah, he, he turns up at the end of the week just to give them shit. Like he can't, he he comes back from his filming thing early to give them shit. That's how petty he is. Yeah, because they they gave his hotel a shit review, so he comes back early from filming to be like, no, 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 I'm going to be the pettiest piece of shit. And he even says it like both of them say like he says it on TV on TV like no, 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 I'm going like we're gonna be so fucking petty when it comes to their hotel and they just tear it apart. And then that's the thing that we should point out of, like, you're... The, the, for, like, you know, for Come Dine With Me and Four In A Bed, you are asked to rate them like, out of ten. Mm-hmm. Like, and in regards to Come Dine With Me, it's just a, an overall score for the evening. On mm-hmm. Four In A Bed, it's like you just have a feedback form. That's like cleanliness, like facilities, um, like, you know, the hosts. And if you want, there's no obligation not to just just say I'm gonna give you a one out of one star out of ten for everything <laughs> and underpay just to be a dick. Yeah. And very occasionally you have people like you. I've seen episodes of Come Dine with Me where the person's like, "I had a lovely evening, but I want to win one star." And there's <laughs> nothing stopping from doing that. And it's like the later in the week you get, yeah, the more the- and more people stop being. I had a great time. Uh, food was fantastic. Um, really enjoyed the hosting. Uh, five out of ten. Yeah, and you don't have to justify your score. <laughs> And my favorite thing about four in a bed is that they say it's an anonymous feedback form, mm-hmm. but it's not because like the people will say stuff that was in their room that they complain about over breakfast. And I don't know what, and I like that they still commit to the fact it's anonymous when you can mm-hmm. clearly tell who it is. Yeah. Uh... It's like, I was watching one the other day, so I wanted to do this and the guy's like, the plug hole's dirty. And it's like, fair enough, you know, you go into a shower, it's not a nice thing to see a dirty plug hole. Yeah. And the person's like, but we cleaned the bathroom this morning. I, I cleaned it. And they say, like, they have, like, a cut where they go up to the room to have a look. So obviously they know which room it is. Mm-hmm. And they go in, and they've got a screwdriver and unscrewed the plug. <laughs> and it's like, who's going to do that? Like, they unscrew it. It's like, well, it's dirty in there. I'm going to mark them down for that. That's disgusting. That, to know that's under your feet. They expect to shower in that. And like they at the end of the week when they're getting feedback, they ask him, like, you unscrewed the plug out? And he's like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> a normal guest wouldn't do that. You're supposed to review it from the perspective of a guest, not a mm. builder. And he's yeah. just like, well, I just think it's disgusting. You should clean down there. It's like, we do. We put bleach down it. 
it's a plug hole. It's gonna get dirty. There, there were so many examples of that. Like, just I think there was one where like they lifted up like the um, the top of the toilet and like wiped their finger underneath the toilet. Yeah. And then there was there was one where someone like. I think they tasted the toilet water. Yeah, so this is what I was going to mention. So I noticed this and I like tweeted about it. And I'm surprised Dingo's viral was the whisk guy. Where a guy's like, it's a clean toilet, that. And he puts his hand into the bowl. Not the cistern, the bowl. And splashes toilet water onto his face. Yeah. On yeah. camera. On camera. And then they never comment on it. <laughs> like, he just puts his hands into the toilet and splashes the toilet bowl water onto his face. <laughs> and they never mention it for the rest of the episode. And I was like, the more you not mention it, the more annoyed I'm getting because this is really fucking weird. <laughs> like the fact that you're not commenting on this has been a weird or unusual thing. That was one of the few things I remembered from watching it. I was like, I remember someone like sticking their hands or their face or something in the toilet. Yeah. And they just move on. Yeah. And just, it's an amazing show for that. And like I say, the, the pettiness. Mm-hmm. And while they'll walk in and they'll go, there's a hair on the floor. And it's like, yeah, there's a hair. It's a hotel room. <laughs> People stay in the hotel room. And they're like, well, I'm going to mark them down for that. And, that. and you'll see the person reading the feedback of like, hair on floor. Four like, out of ten cleanliness. Yeah, and they'll say, oh, it's disc-. like, And that's thing, but you get better because obviously then next time if they, if they go to their hotel... And then you have the feedback at the end of the week and say, you marked us down for having hairs on the floor. There's hairs on your floor. And it's like, well, you can't expect us to get rid of all the hair. It's like, you expected us to do it. And it's amazing because obviously, I, you know, people, it's that thing, I can't be wrong. Mm-hmm. I can't be wrong, but I'm still going to criticise other people. And like, I, I, I just, I love both shows for the similar reasons of just, it is just people trying so hard to win at a show that means nothing. It, yeah. I it, guess for four in a bed, like, if you've got, a, you could probably put a sign up in your window mm. saying, we were, we were as seen on four I in think, a bed. I think you get, like, as a winner, you get, like, a little winner's plaque from four in a bed. But all that means is that you were potentially better than three other, like, shit people's. From, from like, different parts. There's a thing with four in a bed as well. They're always from different parts of the country. And I think mm. they do that very deliberately because if they had people in the same area, They'd probably have a fist fight. Yeah, because all that would mean is that you're f- literally fighting each other for competition. Yeah, but it's just it's amazing though. It's like yeah, they go so petty and they like you know on national TV just out themselves as like horrible people. Yeah, for five hundred pounds, and it's like you know talking about ads and stuff. Just people are willing to like sell out, like you know, out themselves as a piece of shit on national TV. For a plaque. Well, it's better than when you brought up the one about benefits, where people lost their livelihood by bragging about 4K TV. Oh, that's amazing. Like, that's the thing, I, I just love all those shows. I know I shouldn't, but it's just... It's the I mean, one the, you know, the two that we've talked about today are top, top tier in trash TV. The reason it's so top as well is because it's, it's large, especially the Airbnb one. You, you don't run a B&B. I keep saying Airbnb because in my head this is not the, like, the B&B yeah, yeah, owners. Yeah. You're at the very least middle class when you do that. So it's yeah, like it's a fun. Lot, a lot of them. Yeah, it's fun to watch people who are really stuck up and posh get really angry about like not getting their breakfast. It's like that's... That, and, you think, in your head you think to yourself, that probably is 
Still, so it's diabolical, and, still, and it's like to them, it probably is. That probably is the most hardship they've endured mm-hmm. in and the, the last year. The funny thing is, uh, you know, say for example, uh, that Blackpool couple I mentioned, like they were mm-hmm. super, just like working class and down to you know, earth, yeah. down to earth, and just like yeah, cool. Like everything was just like water off a duck's back to them, and just moved on with it, and just enjoyed themselves. And then you get people who are like living in like stately homes and using them as an Airbnb. Well, well, I can't believe that they managed to do this. And sometimes, obviously, not every single time there is someone with money on the show, they're an awful person. Like I'm not saying that. But just, yeah, generally, as you say, like there is a correlation between like th- these like middle-class people coming on and just how like petty and upturned yeah. they get about like minor insults. Yeah, or they'll let, um, you know, we mentioned Come Down, I guess we have to mention, like, the Lizard Woman. The Lizard Woman? Do you remember we talked about, like, the God of War playthrough we did a couple years ago? Where there was an episode of Come Down With Me, where there's just this horrible fucking woman on the show. Mm. And she's one of those people, like, we've all met them. And it's that. They can give it, but they can't take it. Yeah. And I think it's, like, one of the things they do is they'll have, like, the producers very obviously prodding, like, play, play a question game. Play, you know, Oh yeah, and they'll say you know ask each other questions, so get get some conversation flying, go see if there's any sparks fly on the table. And I think like the lady's like, so what animal would you describe me as? And like, you could say I think it's a young couple, and she's obviously really nervous to say anything to this woman. She goes, mm-hmm. I think you know maybe a lizard. And he's like, why do I like a why are you saying not like a lizard? And say no, it's just you know like you know very patient. And she's trying really hard to be like diplomatic. I didn't want to answer this question. I said the first thing that came into my head. And then I think that's the first night. And then throughout the rest of the week, that woman does not let it go. Mm-hmm. And then you see that each episode, she gets progressively more pissed off. Mm-hmm. And he's just more petty. And the other people, it's like you, have, you make one off comment. And or you make one comment, they just take the wrong way. And they never let it go. And honestly, those are some of my favorite episodes where like... There's clearly like one quote unquote bad guy yeah. of the group, and over each like participating night of the week, you just see the rest of the group get progressively pissed off at them. Yeah, and I remember the one with that because it ends with like that woman has like a screaming match. And I think one of the ladies just says to her, like, We're not having fun right now, like, no one's insulted you. We can't, mm. like, we're sorry that you took it that way. And you sit and she sits and she does that thing. That people like that always do, and it is. They sit and they go, they clench their jaw, and you can see in their head they're processing, am I wrong? And then you just see the switch going like, no, because if I was wrong, I'd feel bad, and I don't mm. want to do that. And she sits she, t- and she sits quiet for a couple of seconds and then just goes straight back into it, mm-hmm. and you see everyone around the table just go, yeah. And you can tell all, they're all trying like, you know, to placate her the entire time. Like the bit where it's like, you're staying like a lizard. And then, like, later in the evening, you can tell she's drunk. And she's like, oh, is I'm a lizard then? It's like, fuck, let it go. Mm-hmm. Let No one else was bothered by what we said. You were. Let it go. And it's so compelling to watch. Yeah. And I, I do find it really funny because, as you say, like, they are giving money and asked to do entertainment for the night as well as food. Because mm-hmm. right? it's meant to be, like, a dinner party. Yeah. And I find it so funny when some of them are literally just like, what's your entertainment for the night? Well, um, I thought it would be really fun if we um, said what we don't like about one another. And it's like, oh, no. (laughs) No. The thing is, though, they're the people, like, they just threw the grenade out and it's like, I'm not going to jump on it. Someone's (laughs) going to jump on it. It ain't going to be me. 
<laughs> Unless I said that, like, you could tell. Like, there was yeah, one pro- where it was like, uh, I think like it was like, oh, draw each other. Yeah, they're always really good. And it's like, I think it'd be funny if we all drew each other. And yeah, so we like the old, and like, you know, me, you probably draw like big ears or something like that. And I, you know, I would like, but there's, again, if you get one of those people, I've got massive it. Look at them. Going wing nuts. You can't tell yep. again, I'm sat very far away. You're pretty normal ears, Carl. I think I've got, I used to get picked on my big ears, so that's why I mentioned it. But, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things you'd probably do a, caric- a caricature or an exaggerated drawing. Mm. But then you get the wrong person, the wrong person. And they will never let it go. Yeah. And there's just some people out there, they just can't accept criticism. Mm-hmm. However valid or however um, much. And so uh, it's normally so they'll ask for it. That's normally the yeah. best bit. Mm-hmm. And like, you see it though, you see it happen and stuff like that, where it's like, they'll go around the entire table. Every single drawing is like this caricature that looks ugly as fuck because no one can draw. And they're and all no laughing. One has- and everyone's laughing, and they're like, oh, look how stupid you look. Ah. And then it's like, it gets that one person, and they're like, how fucking dare you? I don't look like that. Yep, and it's just mm. someone, and there are people out there, and we've all met them, and I think the pandemic really brought them to the surface of some people are not happy unless they're fucking miserable. Mm-hmm. And just everything has to be an argument. And like they just go into situations with a negative attitude, and they're looking for something to validate that feeling, mm-hmm. and they're like a like a bulldog. Once they let like latch on, they'll never let go. And it is bizarre to me that people like that sign up for shows like this because in their head they can't be wrong. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. In their head, they're not wrong. So when they say like you know I'm a very opinionated person, and it's like are you an asshole then? Oh, I'm a proper character, me. Yeah. So, so, so you're a prick. Yeah. No one calls anyone a character unless they're an asshole. I mentioned Sean Locke earlier. He says, like, you know, they'll describe their mate as a, char- a character. It means he'll, like, dip his knob in your pint when you go for a drink. <laughs> that's what they are. So they're, just, they're an asshole and just don't... They can give stick, but they can't take it. And that's why the show's so fascinating. It's such compelling mm. watching. Because it's just, yeah, people arguing over a small amount of money <laughs> for an entire week. And I love it. I love it so much. And this has been like a really fun podcast because we've not talked about the wikis at all. We actually we used it as a basis. Like I said, we talked we about did. the formats, mm-hmm. the formats of both shows. I hope that you know those descriptions at least encourage people to go watch it. Because I say if we just did a dry podcast where I read the full description, that'd be like no one's going to watch that, right? Well, anyone could do that podcast, right? Yeah, and people do. Hello, TikTok. <laughs> of like, hey, here's a TikTok of people just reading out a Reddit thread. I remember once I got like, yeah, there's a guy on YouTube who all he does is read out Reddit threads, and that's his entire shtick. Mm. I remember him giving me shit once of like, come on, your last few videos haven't been very creative. And I just went, you literally just read other people's work, fuck off. And he's like, whoa, 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 there's no need to be like that to another (laughs) content creator. And I'm not. You're not a content creator. You're a parasite. And he blocked me. And it's like, (laughs) eat my ass with a spoon. How how many... (laughs) How many stars would you rate that? Eating your ass with a spoon. I'd give him one star out of ten. Oh dear. But yeah. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us on another yes. lovely podcast. I hope everyone's had a fun time. Go watch all these shows. It's, it's yeah. It's, the thing it's, is go, go make your decision, one piece or come down with me. Wait until next week though when I bring up Don't Tell the Bride. 
So that's, we we could do that's the, we could do an entire separate podcast <laughs> just talking about TV shows like this. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, could. we could. So, so I might bring "Don't Tell the Bride" in. Well, maybe that could be a full episode because I want to put clips in. So I want to put like if we do "Don't Tell the Bride," I want to put that amazing clip in that me and you lost our shit at. Where it's like "Don't Tell the Bride" is very basic. If you're not seen it, it's just a show where a young couple are like, "Okay, we need to." we want to pay off for our wedding and they say okay mm-hmm. we'll give you 10 grand put on a wedding but it's the husband to be the fiance who has to plan it and they're like the bride gets no input or information whatsoever not allowed to know anything yeah yeah and they get a week to plan and sort out the entire wedding and there's just a guy who just spends all the money on like a stag do his mates buys the cheapest version of everything that he can find and then on the morning of he's not even booked like a car for his wife to be to come to the venue and he's, like, getting yelled at on the phone by, like, the bridesmaids. Like, the fuck are you doing? She's in tears. There's not a makeup artist. There's no, the dress isn't here. You didn't pay for a, adjustments. Her parents don't know how they're getting to the venue. <laughs> and you see his best man in the background shake his head and pick up an entire bottle of Jack Daniels and start downing it. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> I've been there. Oh... God. And I would love to, like, you know, maybe we could do another episode and I'll put that clip in because that clip is so good. Can you just see? He's just dead behind the eyes, like, fuck it. Just. <laughs> I saw a clip of it not long ago um, of just like, oh, we found out that the bride knew everything. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, do you know anything about the wedding? No. No. And then, like, the bridesmaid pops up. I, I do know this one thing. Said, well, we know that you know about more than these things. And it's like the the bride just refusing to admit for clearly a long amount of time. Yeah. And it's like, has he been telling you everything that's going on? And it's like the the eventually the husband just breaks down and is like, I've not told her anything, but she might have access to my email account. And it's and- like, oh, and it's like she's just been reading every email of everything that he's been booking. And it's at that point as well, it's just like, you clearly don't... And that's why I think it's a great... That's another great show where it's like, people are so... Pe- and I guess it's your wedding. Mm-hmm. But like, there, there's so many of those where I'm like, this couple should not be getting married. Yeah. They clearly don't like, love or trust each other. Mm-hmm. This is not a good or healthy... And I guess it's like, it's massage for TV. But there's so many episodes like that of like, why would you marry this man? He's useless. Yeah. He can't fucking... Like, there's that episode, that guy doesn't know how to make an oven pizza. God. His wife, leave, like his fiance, leaves him instructions on how to use the oven because he's never used the oven. And also, you have other episodes where, like the the fiance, the the bride to be, is like screaming down the phone at the husband who's like there, like just trying his best to plan something he thinks she'd like. And you just think like neither of these people should be in a relationship. But I'm going to watch it crash and burn anyway. <laughs> and maybe we'll do that on another episode. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a lovely, lovely time, and I hope everyone had a great time. I know Carl cheated by bringing two things out of that. To, to, to I, I just don't think we could topic, have done it. We, we probably could have done a full episode just we, on we Come Dine We could have talked about each of those for an hour, Carl. But I the thing is, I think we'd have inevitably brought up... Oh, touch my microphone there. We'd have inevitably brought up the other one, so I thought we'd just do yes. both in case. Of course, yeah. Because it's roughly the same show, just same format, different concepts. 100%, and yeah. Everyone let us know which wiki slash wikis won this week. This week. Cheers.